Well, welcome to the September podcast, where we're going to highlight the latest papers uploaded to our website. Now, all content discussed is available in more detailed slide format at cytokinesignaling.com. That's a free resource website. Now, for September, we've added four papers to the CSF website, and I'd like to highlight two of them in this podcast. Now, the first paper describes the patient-reported outcomes data collected in RA-BEAM. That's a phase three study of baricitinib compared with both placebo and adalimumab in patients with rheumatoid arthritis and who had had an inadequate response to methotrexate. Now, the lead author here is Professor Ed Keystone from the Rebecca MacDonald Center for Arthritis in Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto. Now, let's recall, first of all, that RA-BEAM was a randomized, double-blind, double-dummy, placebo-controlled and active-controlled parallel arm 52-week study conducted in 26 countries. Patients are randomized 3 to 3 to 2 to receive placebo, baricitinib 4 milligrams or subcutaneous adalimumab 40 milligrams, the latter given every other week. Primary analysis time point for the study was at week 12. And patient reported outcomes were pre-specified as secondary objectives of the study. PROs measured uh, included health-related quality of life, physical function, disability, fatigue, sleep, mental health status, work productivity and work activity impairment. Now the key results are as follows. The, the, the RABM study demonstrated that patients treated with baricitinib experienced a greater improvement compared with patients treated with placebo or interestingly adalimumab in most patient reported outcome fields across different domains of rheumatoid arthritis. And these include physical function, morning stiffness, fatigue, pain, and health related quality of life. These improvements tended to occur within the first weeks of treatment and were maintained through the 52 week assessment period reported in this paper. Now from this, we can conclude that the treatment benefits are clinically relevant uh, as achieved for patients receiving baricitinib and certainly warrant further investigation and exploration as the use of this medicine eventually enters the public domain. Now the second paper I'd like to highlight this month looks at cases of herpes zoster reported by investigators in the phase two, phase three and long-term extension studies of tofacitinib. Now, the lead author here is Professor Kevin Winthrop from Oregon Health and Science University in Portland. And Kevin's someone who spent a lot of time thinking and looking at these kinds of adverse events. Now, the objectives of this study were to determine whether treatment with tofacitinib increases the risk of herpes zoster in patients with rheumatoid arthritis. And also to describe the outcomes of and identify risk factors for herpes zoster among tofacitinib treated patients. Data from six phase two studies, five phase three studies, and two open-label long-term extension studies were evaluated. Herpes zoster cases were identified as those reported by trial investigators from the study databases. Crude incidence rates of herpes zoster per 100 patient years with 95% confidence intervals were calculated by exposure group. Logistic regression analyses were performed to evaluate potential risk factors for herpes zoster. Now, the key results in this study were that herpes zoster was observed in 5% of tofacitinib treated patients. 7% of these cases were judged serious, although no patients with herpes zoster died, and only 10% permanently discontinued tofacitinib treatment. 
The overall crude incidence rate in tofacitinib treated patients was 4.4 per 100 patient years, with a confidence interval of 3.8 to 4.9. And there was a higher risk among older patients and those enrolled in Asia. In phase three clinical trials, rates of herpes zoster were similar among patients receiving tofacitinib 5 milligrams or 10 milligrams twice daily. There was a trend to lower incidence in patients who received adalimumab or placebo. So the key conclusions are that people treated with tofacitinib in the RA clinical development program were more likely to develop herpes zoster than were those who received placebo. I think further studies are needed to identify possible explanations for this increased risk, and particularly amongst patients who have received treatment with tofacitinib, as well as to evaluate the safety and efficacy of live zoster vaccine in these patients. Now, we have additional papers in September, and these include an evaluation of the safety and efficacy of baricitinib through 128 weeks in an open-label long-term extension study, again in patients with rheumatoid arthritis, and a phase two study examining the safety and immunogenicity of live zoster vaccination in patients with RA before starting tofacitinib. These papers were authored by Professors Keystone and Winthrop, respectively. Now, finally, don't forget that all the materials I've discussed today are available in the publications section of cytokinesignaling.com. Well, thank you very much indeed for your attention. I do hope you find this information helpful to you in your clinical practice, and we we'll look forward to welcoming you back to the website and further podcasts in future.